The Note Wimp is an insurance agent who lives outside of Chicago with his wife, Colleen. He has three children and nine grandchildren. He grew up in a Catholic home on the south side of Chicago and rediscovered his faith in his adult years. Most importantly, he's my dad. I'm glad to share with you my family's story, my dad's story. This is Echoes and Hope with Benoit Wimp. We're cradle Catholic, baptized at Corpus Christi um, Church in Chicago. Was there from birth to third grade. And then our family moved and we went to St. Columbanus uh, grade school. I went there until I graduated from fourth to eighth grade. After graduating from St. Columbanus, I went to Quigley Seminary South on the south side of Chicago. And from there, graduated, went to a small school in Ohio, Wilberforce University, left there, and then ended up going back to seminary at Niles College Seminary, which is part of Loyola. My mother and father were converted to Catholicism, and I don't know if it was because they wanted us to get into Catholic schools, but that was one of the things that they did back then. My dad was a military guy. I think he was a captain when he left the military during World War II, so he was very rigid, strict on discipline and things like that. My mom was, she was just a, a special person, just loved her faith with her conversion. And they were converted uh, at the time. The pastor of Corpus Christi was Father Alexis, and my mother and father became great friends with them. And he would come and visit us from time to time, like, you know, once a year, once every couple of years. And once he had moved out of the Chicagoland area, and he would come back there. So we didn't really have any decisions to make about, about being Catholic as a kid, but my mother became very, very devout in her faith. I think back at that time too, those first years, which I don't really remember, K through three, there was catechism. That was from probably 1960 to 63, and 63 to 70 when I graduated was at St. Columbanus. It was the great transition years. Vatican II came in, not that I knew what Vatican II was, but you could see even in, in grade school, the teaching of our faith had changed. What I do remember um, at St. Columbanus was that I always felt really uh, somehow connected to the church, but you know, being a goofy boy, you're just goofy. <laughs> Participating in outside activities, sports in the, you know, in our neighborhood and those sort of things. But we went to mass at least once or twice a week. And then we went to Sunday mass as a family. And my brother and I, uh, we ended up in the same grade. I was held back in fourth grade. So we're in the same class, so we would sit in the last row, and my father and mother would sit in the row behind. So if I did something and not paid attention, my dad would take his finger and thump me in the back of my head. <laughs> so I just thought it was completely hilarious. I was one of the taller boys in the class, and I was always given the opportunity. I served a lot of masses once I became an altar boy. I loved going to 6 o'clock mass with Father Mulcahy, who I still believe has the world record for a 15-minute mass <laughs> to get in and out, which I was very pleased at. <laughs> at 6.15 in the morning, but I really loved going there and doing the Mass. And I remember um, two teachers, Sister Josephine and Sister Thomas Leo. I wasn't a good student from the study aspect. I think I was pretty bright, but I just didn't work at it. Sister Thomas Leo would have me do the errands, like I would go pick up the movies downtown in eighth grade, and I would leave right after lunch. I'd take the bus, walk a block over to the bus, take the CTA downtown, drop off the movies, pick up new ones, and bring them back. And that was for the classes at school. 
So I was very responsible. And I think that was part of my father drumming it in me. My mom, I remember one of the things that she did, she prayed all the time. She prayed many rosaries. She prayed rosaries every day. And even as she got older, she even prayed them more. That was one of the things that she found that could resolve what was going on in our life. She knew she didn't have control, so she gave up control to God. So one of the things that really changed our lives, our family's life, was my father ended up taking his life. He committed suicide. He shot himself, and my brother found him. Suicide is just horrible no matter what. My sister and I were actually working, and my brother was not. He was too small and too young to, to work. So we were working at McDonald's, and one of our friends, our neighbors down the street, comes over, and we see her at McDonald's, and it's like, oh, somebody we know, oh, this is great. And she ended up saying, I need to talk to the manager, and she did. And, and then she pulled my sister and I, uh, Genevieve, and told us that my father had died. My sister completely lost control. I just remember being stunned, but okay, we had to go home and just took the news as it was, and, and we went home. So that was this huge change in our lives. Prior to that, they had decided we're going to go to a Quigley Seminary. I'm not sure if she wanted us to be a priest or not, but that was one of the best schools going. And, and they were making exceptions, I guess, to say that, because they wanted to increase African-American black population um, in the seminaries. But I wasn't the best student at all. In fact, uh, first year I had a 2.4, 2.5 average didn't miss that much school, but the remaining three years, I literally missed hundreds of days of school. Very lost. Looking back on it, I, I know it has to do with my father committing suicide, a disruption of the family. Even today, I always look, well, how do you become a dad when you don't have an example? But what I found that I was, again, blessed, God took care of me because the coaches, the teachers, obviously they knew that had happened, but they were very loving and caring. And that's one of the side things that I know about our Catholic faith is that there's a commitment to taking care of people. But again, as a freshman in high school, that isn't the last thing that you're thinking about. But God works in mysterious ways. When I graduated in 74, I barely got out of school. Ended up going to Wilberforce University. It was probably the time, not only did I not go to Mass, but I didn't practice my faith. In fact, the guys from the neighborhood, the brothers from the neighborhood that we used to hang out with, we started wearing the Army gear <laughs> that we had. So it's all the things that after Vietnam War that was out there, and so we would wear those. I went into my old church, St. Columbanus, and I just needed to be there. I just knew I'd be there. And I was sitting in the back, and I didn't want to really be seen. And a, a classmate of mine comes up to me and says, but no, he says, why are you dressed that way? You shouldn't be dressed that way. And I'm like, I'm here. You're lucky that I'm here, you know, saying that to myself. And I was really angry. From that point on, I just left and I didn't. I wasn't going to come back to, to my faith at all. I was just going to disappear. And, and that was one of the things that hurt me for many, many years. I was running from how my old community treated me instead of looking at me and saying, what's going on with you in your life? Sometimes I believe that's how military black community worked. They more chastised you versus trying to understand you. And that's just things that I formulated, you know, now or thought about now. In college, the first place I went, I didn't feel really comfortable. I just didn't feel like that's where I fit in. And I went back to my high school counselor, who was actually my coach, and I said, I think I want to get into go to Niles. So they accepted me on who I was from Quigley and not worrying about my grades. And I was really finding myself. And those were the people that were going to help me find myself. So again, back to our faith, men and women who are Catholic 
are there to support you. At least that's what I felt. How did I rediscover my faith? I re rediscovered it through my children. My family is the most important thing in my life. My son, Patrick, was going from eighth grade to high school. I knew that high school was going to detach him from the family. I was worried about it being a bad thing. And so my wife, Colleen, drove him with another friend of his to the youth ministry at our parish. Said, you're going in <laughs> and you're going to do this. And Colleen and I both said, we want to stay connected. Well, I had the flexibility and ability where I could do that. So I became a volunteer. And I remember us going to South Bend to work at a Catholic youth camp, helping, you know, clean up homes, painting, those sort of things. And it was the first time that I saw our faith in a different way. Even then, I had no clue the detail, the structure, the reason why our faith was being Catholic. So a little bit of time, start doing things, and there's a great energy with youth, and that was really good. And I could be with my, my son, then my daughter, Shannon, she joined on two years later, continued doing uh, trips. One of the things that changed me was the Curcio movement. I'm on the youth board, and so we have a meeting once a quarter, and I go to the meeting once a quarter. And each meeting would be like, okay, we're doing this, this, and this. Can you do this? Can you not? You know, the normal things that happen in any group. And the youth director, who is the youth director even still today, said, you know, I think you'd be good for a retreat. And I'm like, I don't have time. Probably this was going on for three or four months. And something in the back of my head said, why are you lying? You have nothing going on. At the end of the meeting, I said to Marta, I said, all right, I'm interested in what's going on with this retreat. So that was the Curcio retreat. And that was the first time that I became truly catechized, I guess is the word, in what was going on in our faith. That's what got me started and brought me back or maybe awakened me into church. It was a year, almost a year to the day uh, for my mother dying. I think she's in heaven and, and worked that with me and I think that even goes on today. My mother, she was the constant prayer every day. She had multiple rosaries. She watched EWTN. She had crucifixes. That's one of the things that I miss, you know. Even now, it's like there should be more crucifixes in my house, you know. I, I believe she was just a real holy uh, woman. She would uh, pray the rosary every day. I remember coming back from, I was at work, and I came back, and uh, she said, are you doing okay? I says, yeah, I think I'm okay. She says, well, I pray for you every day. And I'm like, how can you do that? How can you find time for that? But that's who she was. Everything she did was a prayer. So my mother was the one who showed me how to, again, push race aside. Um, it was how can I truly work in God's eyes to do what God wants. She had a, a huge devotion to Mary, loved Mary, and all the things that, that Mary had done for her um, throughout her life. One of the things that I do want to say about mother, she helped many people, just little things, and we weren't rich, we weren't poor, we were just middle class. But I remember she did say something. It was looking at other people, whether it was race or just individuals in general. And she would say stuff like, don't criticize anyone until you've walked a day in their shoes. And that was an interesting thing because I think the natural tendency is to nip in at people. Oh, that person did this to me or they're, they're terrible at this. And that was one of the things that really uh, stuck with me is really try to look at people and you don't know what's going on in their lives. And now as an adult and, and what I do um, in my business, I see that a thousand times over. She did not try to judge people. 
she just tried to understand people and bring them closer to God. So she, um, in her latter years, was starting to lose her ability to walk, but she, she kept her cognitive skills. So we had to move her to a residential facility because my brother and sister-in-law couldn't take care of her at home, so she goes to the facility. And two things that she wanted, she wanted a place where she had mass and could say the rosary every day. So we found St. Patrick's residence. And the story leads because my mother said to me, she says, well, I'm the only pepper in all this salt. And I just wanted to die laughing when she said that. But she was. She was the only black person in the facility. While she was there for the three or four years, she had three roommates. There was this one woman who was using the N-word and just talking, oh, why am I in here with this? I was there visiting my mother and I said, are you okay with that? She says, don't worry, honey. I'm going to turn her over. The lady died about 12 months later. And this was an amazing thing. She did turn this lady. The lady loved her. She became best friends with my mother. When my mother passed away about six or nine months later, the family of this woman came to the wake and funeral and said that my mom made this lady's last few months just the best ever. As a Catholic, we're under God and we all are in the image and likeness of God. So being whatever it is, whether I'm Spanish, whether I'm European, whether I'm Asian, whether I'm African, that's just the region I come from. What I am, if I'm Catholic, is I'm a child of God. And that's the most important thing. So being Catholic to me is I'm a child of God and how do I go from there? Now, I'm very aware of how people treat African-Americans, black people, whatever you want to use. Yeah, I'm very aware of that, but what is that? It's back to my mother saying, they don't know you. They don't know where you come from. So there's a fear that, who are you? And I've heard these stereotypes about what goes on, and those things aren't necessarily true. So I feel that being Catholic means I need to get to know that person, no matter who they are, and do it with the eyes of Christ. What challenge do I have as a black Catholic is having to overcome that and get to greet and meet people so we get to a, a better level. So me growing up in a black Catholic community, I just, it's normal. I didn't really see this difference. The differences were, and I um, deal with large Polish population, Spanish population, a decent amount of Italian, Irish. So when you bring that from that country's experience here, you keep on to those traditions. I remember on our block, we did stuff for the community. We would sell barbecue out of somebody's garage and uh, you know things like that. So it's still being part of community. Everybody was looking out for each other. And that's the same thing on the block that I live in now. The eyes were out there, so if we're messing up, the phone would ring <laughs> and your son did this or that. I remember I was a guy who helped one of my friends had, had an injury. He got hit, was a minor thing, hit by a car. I helped him get home and we talked and told what was going on. So it was this universal community that stayed together. The biggest difference is that they're looking out for each other, they're communicating with each other, they're reaching toward the same thing, even though they had all different types of jobs. That seemed to be the natural order of things. And, and someone else could speak you know, better that I've made a choice to be here and I left the city because I didn't want to be involved in the violence. I wanted to live. You know, I remember on my 25th birthday, studying life expectancy when a black man made it to 25. 
his life expectancy shot up to 65. So my goal is to get to 25 and go from there. So, and why is it? You know, I've gotten into arguments with classmates of mine from grade school and high school. And I said, why was the black community stronger then? And I know black businesses were thriving when I was a kid. I got in trouble because <laughs> doing something at a business that I wasn't supposed to do. Was, I stole a candy bar. Before I got home, my father came and saw me and... I got a wailing of my life for doing that. So so what does that mean? All, all that means is people are afraid and afraid of each other. There's a lack of trust. When I was a kid, people trust each other. They work together. They had just came out of the, in the military, you know, for five, ten years. They knew to build that. Maybe the main gift that I bring is that we're not different except for the way we look. Our relationship with God is not different. What I mean by that is we can all have the same relationship with God. I just bring the same thing that everyone else brings, which is understanding that I have to know, love, and serve God, and that I have to bring other people there. And with bringing other people there, I have to be this outward witness and sometimes I have to take the suffering that you take living in life and taking that on and, and carrying that burden. When people say things that are um, hurting and cutting, take that as their hurt, what's going on in their shoes again. It's what we're all called to do, which is to be disciples. One of the things that I see in the black culture is that there's this real Holy Spirit connection and really engulfing in intertwining with the Holy Spirit scares people. I remember seeing that my mother, as you could tell she was in this, just this deep relationship with God, deep relationship with Mary. And I always wondered if she had visions <laughs> or things like that. The other part is being open, you know, so we have to be open. But in the past, there's been so much harm and hate to overcome that. You can see people who are hurt, and it's hard for them to open up and trust. Our heritage of where we come from can be a great unifier. I just think about Christ and what he went through and how that continues to grow even uh, today. So if I'm being a Catholic Christian, if I'm being Christ on earth, I know I'm going to have to suffer. And how do I change people? How do we celebrate who we are and then use those differences? I'm not an engineer. I'm not a electrical contractor. Those are differences, but it still makes me this one unified individual under God.